as we're gathering this morning, we're finishing out a message series entitled FOMO. Anybody here familiar with FOMO? Anybody probably prior to this message series have issues with FOMO? I, I don't know if maybe it, uh, it's, it's really sinking in as far as how deep this is, but I've been dealing with FOMO for a very long time. And one of the problems that I've had is um, I have two things going against me. I have attention deficit disorder, which means that if I have on my computer a series of notifications from email, from texting, from Facebook, from Instagram, and I'm trying to do something in my workload and I get prompted, guess what? I see, I used to see on average <clears throat> 30, 40 squirrels every day and I'd go chase every one of them. And then at the end of the day I'd be like, what did you get accomplished today, Leonard? Uh, well, I didn't miss out on this, I didn't miss out on that, and I didn't miss out on that. But the downside of all of that was I probably missed out on some things that I shouldn't have been missing out. However, as I'm just, as I'm just clarifying that, I, I, I'm, I, I'm guessing that in this room there's some other people that have had the same problem I've had. And you know, in a 12-step health group, the first the first sign to recovery is to admit it, that I have a problem and I'm helpless to overcome, right? Well, if you need to sign up for that, we can sort of, you know, begin to, to, to create something to, to address that particular thing. But the, but the issue is that's more of a symptom to a larger problem that is pretty much described throughout the whole Bible, if you were here the, the first Sunday when we gathered, we, we centered it on something that I think um, is, is a familiar uh, theme, and that is the, uh, the old uh, Adam and Eve in the garden and the serpent and the question. You know the question. Whenever he walked up to Eve and he said to her, you know that tree over there? And I think this is how he walked up. It wasn't just face to face like, Eve, I'm going to get in your face. I'm going to tell you what you're missing out on. No, it was more like indirectly. He just kind of walked up to the side and said, guess what you're missing out on? And he said it in such a tone that she couldn't help but pay attention. You know, it's kind of like our kids. I can get in their face and I can just tell them, do the dishes. Or I can whisper to my wife in the other room, if that kid doesn't do the dishes, I'm going to fine him $100. And um, if you know our family, you know that this is kind of a thing. And that will get a response. I said it in a tone of a much lower um, uh, sound level than anything else, and yet it got the response because there's something about the subtleties of things that cause us to pay attention. And so many things that we fear missing out are just little subtle signals that we receive all the time, and they create in us this sense that I think was created in that very moment, and that's this. When he said to her, surely if you eat of that fruit of the tree, you know, the tree of the knowledge, you know, the knowledge that you're missing out on, that tree, the knowledge that is, wow, if you only could see it, that knowledge, surely if you eat of that tree, surely you won't die. Did God really say that? And calling into question everything that was the basis for her and Adam's existence in that wonderful 
meeting place between heaven and earth called Eden, high and, um, and, and lifted up as a, as a premier location for the crowning achievement of all of creation to exist. And in that fear of missing out, and that choice to go in that direction, it all kind of fell apart. And you find that in the Bible over and over and over. And I don't know if uh, you've ever seen this whenever you read through the Bible, but there is a pattern that is, is clearly recognizable. Once you see it, you can't unsee it. And it goes something like this. Well, there were a lot of them, but I'll just give you some examples. There's Abraham who is given a promise that God's going to create a whole nation out of he and his elderly wife. And as they begin the process of moving in that direction, well, the clock's ticking, things aren't happening, and God seems to really be taking his sweet old time because it's, all, it's been over a decade that he made the promise that it's not happening. So the desire was, we want to have a child, but we're going to do it through a means by which God didn't authorize but because we want children, and he said we could have it, we're going to go this way. And so he slept with his wife's handmaiden, and they had a child. And that child, as a response to getting ahead of God's plan, and the desire that overrode their ability to follow and trust God in his timeline, well, that child created chaos. Not in and of itself, but because you have two wives now competing for attention, and the chaos just began to unravel things to the point where, well, the promises got through, but it was pretty bumpy for a long time. And that continued to unfold into other stories like Moses going up on the mountain and there was a group of people that had just been taken out of a place where they had been constantly in their workplace told to work harder and harder and harder and to step it up. You ever have that in a workplace? Somebody says, you need to work harder and harder and harder. You need to step it up. It's all on you. And the whole reason why it's going south is because of you, you, you. And they were getting that every day. And it was like, we can't wait to get out of here. I can't wait to quit this job and move on. And God said, you can quit this job and you can move on. Matter of fact, we'll create a whole new space for you to live this job out in that I have in store for you that is yet to be defined. And they're like, sign us up. So God pulled him out of that situation, across the water on dry land, into a staging area where God was saying, now over there is where it all starts to reset and will begin again. Wouldn't it be cool to just have a new beginning to reset it and to say, Oh, once and for all, I can quit my boss. Not my job, but my boss. And that's what essentially they were doing. And as uh, they had this deep desire, became misguided because Moses was supposed to go up on the mountain and then have a talk with God and then come down and then give us instructions on what to do next. The problem is, 40 days is a long time. And while he's up there, they're just waiting and they're thinking, what are we missing out on? And then they're going back to Egypt in their minds and they're considering the possibility of doing the very things that they did there in order to create on their own the conditions necessary to reset the whole thing. And this is what they did. They gathered up all their gold and they melted it down and they created a golden calf that was designed to worship another deity. And they said, we will get the power from this deity that we need to do the things that we we need to do and we'll just forget about that God who got us to this place and we'll move on. And that desire led to another form of chaos 
And the scripture tells us that a lot of people died that day. It was such serious business to stay on track with God's agenda that God said, we're not going there again. Well, the desire continues to unfold to do the things that you want to do because you're missing out on the things that people say you can't do and shouldn't do. But you want to do them anyway. So there's a king named David and he's pretty much done everything God has told him to do by establishing the nation, becoming a military, uh, basically, uh, power of the whole region, and then settling down into, well, the life of relaxation, only to discover that as he's sitting on the patio one evening, he sees a lady unclothed that is very beautiful, and all of a sudden, the desire kicks in, and he's thinking, I need to act on that. I don't want to miss out on that. And he didn't, but what happened as a result of it, his family came unglued. And it seems like this trend of seeing what we're missing out on, knowing at times that it's not good for us in our gut, but thinking what possible harm could it do. And yet, when you choose not to miss out on those things, they undo you. And that design pattern is consistently described in scripture enough where you sort of get the point. Then there was another thing that was potentially being missed out on. That it was sort of the reverse. And it was Jesus whenever he is getting ready to go to be crucified on the cross. He's in the garden and he says, God, this thing I would definitely want to live out on miss out on. And that is this. I would like to take everything that we've done now and bypass the crucifixion and resurrection part of it. Jesus was having these thoughts in the garden. But then he said, not my will, but the Father's will. Because the Father knows the right things to do and the right things to miss out on. And he tuned into that. And rather than just do what he felt like doing in the moment, he said, I'm going to stay grounded in the thing that is my identity. It is the thing that establishes me in life. It is the thing that brings everything into order. And that is the purposes of God. And so he followed through on it. And guess what? On the other side of that missing out on the cross... And the empty tomb was this glorified state that had God said, all right, have it your way. Just stay here with these guys in this mess. Which I know Jesus didn't want either. Jesus actually found the joy of missing out on the stuff that we think is important. And that's where it gets kind of interesting because in our culture, everybody is telling you, Whatever, you, whatever we're doing now is the thing to do. Now, let me just age, date myself a little bit. Anybody remember 1977? You guys probably don't remember 1977. But when I was in seventh grade in 1977, that's how I remember, uh, a movie came out. And all the kids were talking about it. And it was like have you seen this movie? And I'm like, I haven't seen this movie because we live in a small farming community of 3,500 people and we don't have a movie theater, so you got to drive 20 miles to the theater. But the kids that got to go, they got to see this movie called 
Star, Star, Star Wars. That's what it was, Star Wars. And I'm like, what's so epic about Star Wars? And it got to be such a thing that captured everybody's imagination that it was almost like there was a have and have nots of Star Wars goers. And there were some of us who were the have nots. And so people were just talking it up and like, yeah, did you see, did you see uh, the Jedis? And did you see uh, Han Solo? And the girls were saying, and did you see Luke? And, you know, all that stuff. And it's like, come on. I have no idea what you're talking about. I had the fear of missing out. And it just escalated from that junior high mindset on into so many other things that had so many more consequences. Like, let's go drink some beer so you don't miss out. You go and drink some beer and then next thing you know it, you're blacking out and you're thinking, now what was I missing out on? Oh, my memory. Yeah, that's a good thing, right? And then you make other choices and they have similar, if not more, negative downsides that you didn't foresee. And you start to find that the fear of missing out doesn't always lead you to the places that you want to end up at. Or should I say, wind up at. And that's why it's so important for us to get a handle on the things that we should and shouldn't miss out on. As a matter of fact, I would say that because you came to church today, you are missing out on... That part of your day, that is pretty much uh, 8 to noon, you could be doing something else with your time. You honestly could. Some of you, you work hard, and then you're like, yeah, I got to give half a day to the Lord. But others say, I work hard, but I am more than happy to be there because I wouldn't miss it for the world. And what is the difference? I would say that some people discover there is a joy in missing out on the things that are out there to be discovered in the things that happen in here. Now, when you come into this place, the thing that I do know is that you are tempted with the fear of missing out because very easily, and I'm confident this happened to some of you, if not many of you, possibly all of you, there was something that happened maybe yesterday or the day before that prompted you to say, oh, you know what? I could skip church today. And... I get it. The only problem is I'm paid to be here so it doesn't really work so well. However, I'm here not just because I'm paid to be here but because I am purposed to be here. And I know this for certain. That whenever I'm on vacation and things like that, it's easy to say, oh, that's extra time. I can, I can miss being in the house of the Lord. And I've even missed being in the house of the Lord on vacation. But it's like I missed out on something. And I catch myself saying, there's something about putting God first on the first day of the week that seems to set the tone for the rest of the week. And don't try to explain it through science or through statistics or through some kind of study. It's just a thing. And you just know it in your spirit. But this is where it kind of breaks down as well. Because as a child of the 70s and the 80s and the 90s, I'm a child of an entertainment culture. I like to be entertained. 
Um, matter of fact, I've passed on that baton to my kids. They like to be entertained. There's something about entertainment that's, well, it's engaging. It's exciting. It's fun. But you know what? After 30 years of being entertained, it's kind of like, I don't even go to, bless you, I don't even go to movies anymore. Because I'm like, kind of been there, done that, don't really, I'm not trying to get down on anybody. It's just that it doesn't offer the same kind of appeal that it used to. But there's something about being connected to the things of God that at this point in my entertainment self, I can't let go of. And I'll tell you what it is. Being a product of all things entertainment from the point of Star Wars till the point of the Marvel Universe, I get how I'm so tuned in any environment, including an environment like this, to say, what were the entertainment elements of that experience? How did it rate? Is there going to be a survey at the end of this worship gathering that says, fill out this survey at the end of the gathering and win a chance to win $5,000? And some of you maybe are triggered like, yeah, I've had to say that in retail before. Why did you go there? Well, perhaps you've been on the receiving end and that's where you went. And yet this is not a business in that way. This is something that has organizational characteristics that are a lot like a business but it's different. And so when we gather, we bring actually a different set of eyes, a different capacity. Sure, I get that it needs to be engaging and keep your attention and people that are on my end need to do their job to make sure that God is speaking through our lives and hopefully doing it in a way that, 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 that shows his gifting and skill set. But our goal isn't that. Our goal is actually to have you come into this place and take that whole entertainment apparatus and that question, what am I missing out on entertainment-wise by being here and asking a deeper question? And it's the question that, 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 that I've been bringing to this place for a long time. God, what are you saying to me through this experience. What are you saying to me through the people that I have conversations with before worship? What are you saying to me in the group gatherings that I have, whether I'm serving or whether I'm in a Sunday school class? God, what are you, help me to tune your ear to what you're saying to me when I hear the music being expressed in a spirited worship. What are you saying to my spirit? And then when the pastor gets up to preach the word, are you asking yourself, God, help me to hear what I need to hear. Have the humility to receive it. And know that if the pastor says something, he's not singling me out. But rather, it is how you work in an environment like this to communicate through a person like that, through music like that, through conversations like that what I need to hear in this moment. That's a completely different thing than just using an entertainment criterion saying, I'm missing out on, I could have been in this other situation. But when you tune in to the question, what is God saying and what do I need to hear? 
then you're actually doing exactly what you're supposed to be doing here. And my guess is it's like so many things. You ever see the, the video of the guy who was, um, who, who was uh, at a basketball game and he runs through in an in a, in a ape suit? Have you seen it? Did you see it the first time? You were so focused on everything else, weren't you? And then, and then you're like, no, there's an ape suit. There's a guy running. And okay, show me. So you play it again and you're like, Oh, I didn't even see that. And that's how I feel sometimes whenever we gather and worship and we're so tuned to the things that the world is saying, this is what you need to be tuned into or you're going to miss out. And my, my word to you is, God is saying in this place, don't miss out on the things that he has to say to you under these conditions. And not only that, if you really want to not miss out and find the joy in it all, be willing to say, God, I didn't want to hear that, but you said it. But I know you said it because it's actually getting in the way of finding a deeper joy. It's actually bottlenecking things. And sometimes God deals with us in a place like this. He says things through people like myself, through music that you've heard, and through other people that we don't really want to hear. And in a place like this, it's kind of hard not to hear it. If we were in a larger venue where you had lots of people and you could go in and just sort of be anonymous and come out, you could kind of get away with it. But when you have the nerve to come to a place like this where it's smaller, God kind of works in very personal ways. And it's not always easy. But we don't want you to miss out on that. And part of our job in making sure you don't miss out on it is trying to make it as safe as we can, trying to make it as functional as we can, and trying to create a space where you can know the love and the hospitality of the Lord and so when he speaks to you, we're not judging you. We're just here to help one another along the way. But it becomes a different kind of space. And that's something I don't want to miss out on. Because God does some pretty cool things when we listen to him. And yet, our struggle in this whole series has been how we're so tuned to not miss out on anything. I mean, I'll be, I'm the chief of sinners. I, I got, my wife let me buy this car that you've heard me talk about. And I love this car. It's my, I'm getting older, I better get it before all the cars are electric and then you can't buy them anymore. So I bought this Dodge Challenger thinking, well, I'll just have a little window and then we're going to go all electric and I won't have it. So I kind of savor driving it. And my wife said, you need to put that thing away for the winter. Because if you driving it, it's going to turn to a bucket of rust. I'm like, no, just one more day. One more day. I don't want to miss out on one more day. You know what I just heard? My wife's eyes rolling. I didn't used to hear them rolling, but I just heard them because I've become so good at tuning into that. It's amazing what you hear whenever you tune into things, isn't it? And when God calls us into a space like this. He's not saying to just you, I don't want you to miss out. 
He's saying to the whole world, I don't want anybody to miss out. Now, I did go through a period where I kind of felt like the prodigal son. Only problem was I didn't really have a, a Christian environment that I was going back to. It was more like I kind of left and, well, there wasn't any place to leave from. I just got farther and farther untethered. And, you know, I read that passage of Scripture about the weeping and gnashing of teeth, and we tend to associate that with, well, those people, they went to hell. Well, in some ways, you could say, yeah, that was the reason why they were weeping and they were gnashing the teeth. But I've, I've kind of come to discover that they're weeping, which I get, but the gnashing of teeth was a hard thing for me to sort of say, why are they gnashing their teeth? Because they're missing out. They're just, <laughs> I can't believe I'm missing out. And the thing about our God is he is so patient with all of us. Because by design, we're supposed to be his children. Every last human being on the planet. But also by design, just like in the garden, we make our own choices and he respects that. And by design, we make our own consequences. We make the choices. The choices make us by design. And God looks at us and he says, I love every last one of you and all of your willfulness and all of your foolishness. And I want you to, there's a wonderful biblical word called repent and it means a lot of things. And one of them is, I want you to redirect your life back to me. And find your true north. And not miss out on that. There was an 18, 19, okay, 16, 17, 18, 19 year old version of myself that said, I'm not missing out on anything. And so I just jumped in. The 19 year old version of myself said, I'm just an empty soul without a story that offers any meaning. And it was scary. And I remember reading in Luke 15 the story of the parable of the prodigal son. And I'm just going to summarize it real quickly because um, for the sake of time. It goes essentially like this. There was a man who had two sons and one of the sons said, Father, I would like to have my inheritance now. They lived on a farm. They had they were well resourced and he wanted his half so that he could go to the city and not miss out. And essentially in that culture, if you said to your living dad who was still uh, able to work and had many years left, I want my half, you're basically removing part of his own livelihood while at the same time telling him to drop dead. And then going off in your spirited state of willfulness to do all of those things you were missing out on that people when they came back to the farm told stories about. And he goes and he doesn't miss out on anything. But oddly enough, about the time his friends ran out or his money ran out, his friends ran out. And not only that, his food. Not only that, there was a famine. So he's completely got his back against the wall and he's thinking, I'll go back to the father who, well, 
at least has stuff. And I can go as a slave. I no longer need the identity of a son. I'll go back as a slave and hopefully he'll understand that I know how to do the work and he can just say, yeah, here's what you need to do. Get at it. You're no longer my son. You're a slave. But glad to have you back. Here's some food and there's a place you can sleep. That was his script. That was his whole plan. And when the father saw him returning, what is so powerful about this episode of reunion is... The lack of dignity of the father running out in his spindly legs, chasing after the son that he's been watching every day to come to his senses and willfully return in a spirit of, yeah, well, I've learned a few things. Because in that passage of scripture, it says when he came to his senses, that is when he finally saw reality for what it was, when he finally woke up, he realized something. The things I'm looking for are not out there, but they're with the Father. And it's a sobering reality for him, and he's thinking, it's church, it's kind of slow, but at least it's steady. And it gets me where I need to go. And what does the Father do? He throws a party. He takes all of the party accoutrements and he immediately on the spot pulls it together so that everybody can celebrate in a festive spirit because something cool has just happened. He didn't expect that. But that was the heart of the Father. And when we baptize somebody... We always talk about the angels in heaven rejoicing, which I know in that unseen realm, they're rejoicing. They don't want to miss out on it. They want to experience the joy of missing out on everything else so they can focus on the one thing that's most important. And you and I are prompted and prodded and pulled in this culture, both digitally and in the five senses realm, to do all kinds of stuff. And how many of you, when somebody says something in a way that creates in you the sense of you're missing out, just right out of the gate say, yes, I'll go, I'm on it. Only to say a few minutes later or an hour later, why did I say yes so easily? What did I get myself into? I'm in a car ride with these people and I'm not going to be coming back till late tonight. My whole day is wasted because I just on impulse said yes, yes, yes. And the joy of missing out is actually learning to say no. I, if you get on my computer now, I don't have any promptings, no pings, no prodding. My ADD is not trustworthy. And I realize that. But I also realize something else. That when the father looked at the guy who returned on the horizon, who said, my identity now is just, I'm just a hired laborer. The father said, no, you're not. You're my son. You have always been my son. And I want to welcome you back. And I don't believe that everybody's going to be saved. 
But I do believe that God is heartbroken over the people that he has called his sons and daughters who have chosen to miss out on him for fear of missing out on something less. And getting back to the garden, that was the whole point. He wanted to distract them with something less because he actually knew that it would undo them and he was celebrating that. That's the side of this that we don't take into account. That there are also dark forces at work in this world that want us to do anything except worship. Some of them don't even mind if we go to church. As long as church is about you and not God, it's okay. And that's where we have to be careful because when we gather in this place, we're not evaluating God's performance through his flawed people. We're asking the question, God, what do I need to hear since you got me here? That's amazing. I've heard great sermons. I've heard bad sermons. I've heard some that were train wreck and I've given all the above on any occasion. But it's funny how God uses all three of them in his own way. And I've heard God speak in some pretty dilapidated deliverances of the word. And I've heard God not speak in some very polished renditions of the things of Christianity. So God doesn't really have limits on what he can and can't do in any environment. Other than the ones that you create. The ones where you say, I'm going to do it my way. Until I run into a crisis in my marriage. Until I have a health scare. Until that little nagging voice that says you need to go to church or you need to get right with God. And you're feeling so much pain in the moment that you begin to act on those things. And maybe that's what it takes for all of us to come to our senses. To finally see the reality for the fantasy I wish that there was more to this story about the prodigal son. Like, wouldn't it be cool to ask the question, so how did it go about five years later? Can we just sort of do a follow-up sequel to the prodigal son, you know? He and the brother, did they end up patching it up and getting along? Because, by the way, there's a brother who wasn't happy about his return because he squandered his wealth, which also meant that it affected him as well. And you got to wonder, how did all this stuff get sorted out? Because the truth of the matter is, we all come in here with our own ideas about the way things ought to be. And the father has his work cut out because by definition, he knows how the way, way things ought to be. And he knows how much we constantly get it wrong. Yet he still patiently draws us in. There are no perfect people here. If you ever come to a church and they're looking down their nose at you, that's messed up. We're all storied people that have our own skeletons in the closet. And as we begin to share and we begin to grow and we begin to trust and we begin to put our egos aside, 
we realize just what a train wreck humanity is. But then we also appreciate when we worship what God has done to rescue us out of that train wreck. And I'm grateful. I am so, so grateful. I wish I was more skilled. I wish I had this ability or that ability or whatever. Because I just want to give it back to you, God, for taking me out of that weeping and gnashing of teeth moment and setting me straight. And maybe my reward is just seeing some of you come out of yours. Let's pray. Father, as we just think about all the ways that we are tempted and tested and tried in the packaging of things that are appealing and enticing and desirable and promise so much joy but yet always leave us empty. I pray, Father, that you give us new eyes to see and new ears to hear the things that are going on right in front of us when you are at the center. I pray that as you tune us in that way that you give us not only the ears and the eyes to do what only by faith they can begin to do, but you help us to discover that in that is such joy and such contentment and such peace because we put you first. Father, I know that everyone in this room is destined to be a son or a daughter in you. But I also know you have given us the means by which we can shy away from that. And in that calling us and in our own waywardness, I pray that the power of your spirit would just work in the hearts and the minds of your people here. So that your purposes would be worked out. And so that where we are in need of rescue, we can find it through the blood of our Savior Jesus. I just pray that if there are any lives that need to be transferred out of the kingdom of entertainment, the kingdom of darkness, the kingdom of waywardness, that you would, by your grace and by your word and by your promises, Transfer those who are being called into your wonderful kingdom of, of life and light and joy in our Lord Jesus. I just pray that for everyone here and the people that aren't here who are missing out. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.